It is difficult to read the Old Testament book of 2 Kings without considering the words written by the Apostle Paul centuries later. Galatians 6 and verse 7 warns, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. The sowing and reaping principle applies to nations as much as it does individuals. We should never confuse God's patience and long-suffering with his indifference towards sin. Eventually, a nation will reap what it has sown. The wages of national sin are decline and captivity. Without repentance and turning back to God, there is a payday someday. History is replete with examples of this, including Old Testament Israel and Judah. What will it take for you to return to God? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. God is not mocked. As a man sows, he also shall reap. It's true of individuals. It's also true of nations. Hello, welcome in to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, thanks for tuning in. Well, after the reign of King Solomon, and partly due to the latter stages of his reign, the nation of Israel divided into two kingdoms. And with few exceptions, every king, and by extension the inhabitants themselves, did evil in the sight of the Lord. What are some practical applications for us today? Find out next as Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Stay with us or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, 2 Kings, The Decline and Captivity of a Nation. Years ago, an organization called Citizens Against Government Waste aired a thought-provoking television commercial with a kind of a futuristic theme to it. Uh, the year is 2030 AD, and the setting is a seminar in Beijing, China with a speaker and a large crowd, and the speaker begins by saying and asking, why do great nations fall? The ancient Greeks, the Roman Empire, the British Empire, and the United States of America, they all make the same mistakes, he says, turning their back on the principles that made them great. America tried to spend and tax itself out of a great recession, enormous so-called stimulus spending, massive changes to health care, government takeover of private industries, and crushing debt. And then the speaker says, of course, we own most of their debt so they now work for us. <laughs> and there's this audience laughter in the commercial. Of course, they're in Beijing, China. Nobody in America is laughing, but we, we get the point, don't we? And, and we get the point of the powerful question, why do great nations fall? Whatever the reason for the precipitous fall of powerful regimes in human history, one thing is true, no nation or empire lasts forever. That's just true in history. And keep this in mind as we continue on our uh, journey on the ultimate road trip through the Bible because we've now come to the book of 2 Kings. We're right in the midst of the Old Testament historical books, and we've been saying along the way, if we don't learn the spiritual lessons, the lessons of spiritual history, 
then we are doomed to repeat those uh, mistakes that even Old Testament Israel made. Now, it's difficult to read the Old Testament book of 2 Kings without considering the words written by the Apostle Paul uh, centuries later. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 warns, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. We call it the principle of sowing and reaping. And uh, it applies to nations as much as it does individuals. We should never confuse God's patience and long-suffering with his indifference to sin. Eventually, a nation reaps what it sows. Let me say that again because that's the big idea and the big takeaway from the book of 2 Kings. Eventually, a nation reaps what it sows. Uh, The wages of national sin are decline and captivity. Without repentance and a turning back to God, there is a payday someday. And this applies for nations as much as it does individuals. History is replete with examples of this, and we have examples of it in the book of 2 Kings as it relates to now the divided kingdom. Remember, once Israel was a united monarchy. Now by this time in their history, they're a divided kingdom The northern kingdom, which is known as Israel, and the southern kingdom, with Jerusalem as its capital, known as Judah. And 2 Kings describes the time when they fell. Despite the warnings of many prophets sent by God, the northern kingdom, Israel, fell to the Assyrians in 731 B.C. And the Babylonians besieged the southern kingdom, which was Judah, in 586 B.C. BC. This is all in in the history books, and it's all in the Old Testament history. Um, The Babylonians ransacked Jerusalem and deported the best of Hebrew youths, including Daniel and his three friends. (laughs) Are you beginning to connect some of the historical dots in the Old Testament? The northern kingdom, after the Assyrians took them captive, never recovered. They never came back together as a nation or returned to power. However, after 70 years of Babylonian captivity, a remnant of the southern kingdom returned from exile to rebuild the broken walls of Jerusalem, uh, led by uh, reforms initiated by Ezra the priest and Nehemiah. And we'll get to the books of Ezra and Nehemiah a little bit later in our second road trip here through the Old Testament historical books. Despite the unfaithfulness and the wickedness of God's chosen people, God remained faithful to the covenant that he made to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and in doing so, he even preserved the messianic line through the Davidic dynasty. I've gotten ahead of myself a little bit, and there's a lot of historical ground for us to cover before we get to the exiles brought on by the Assyrians and later the Babylonians. But overall, 1 and 2 Kings records nearly 400 years of a divided kingdom led mostly by evil kings. And what we read about in the annals of the kings, well, we witness the painful decline, the division, and the captivity of a nation, but not before God sends prophet after prophet into the northern kingdom and even into the southern kingdom to woo his people back to him. With regard to the northern kingdom, the the wickedest of the kingdoms, the southern kingdom was a little bit better but the northern kingdom was most wicked. Uh, God sends two prophets into the northern kingdom, Elijah 
and Elisha. We met Elijah in the book of 1 Kings, beginning in chapter 17, and the powerful ministry of Elijah continues on through the end of 1 Kings and spills over into 2 Kings until in chapter 2 and verse 11, it says that Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Uh, what a fascinating scene that is. Other than Enoch that we read about in Genesis chapter 5, Elijah is the only person in the Bible who exited this world without experiencing death. And perhaps he went that way because God was not done with Elijah. Uh, we hear of Elijah from that point forward. Elijah appears, for example, with Moses on a mountaintop with Jesus when the Savior puts his glory on display before Peter, James, and John. Do you remember the Mount of Transfiguration? You can read about that in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. There's also a mysterious link uh, written about in the Scriptures between the ministry of Elijah and John the Baptist. <laughs> Many during John's uh, ministry were asking him, are you Elijah? Are you Elijah? I remember in seminary, I had to write a paper. Is Elijah John the Baptist? It was a real head scratcher, but it was, it was an important question uh, in Scripture. Go on a little bit further to the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 11, it describes the ministry of two witnesses with miraculous powers who help accomplish God's work during a future time in Bible prophecy known as the Tribulation. And if you go to chapter 11 of Revelation and you read the descriptions of these two witnesses, they sound a lot like Moses and Elijah appearing at the end of the age. Both of these men uh, did, did miracles on this earth during their earthly ministries, but it appears that they um, do so again at the end of the age. And according to James, Elijah is just an ordinary man with a nature like ours. You know, you read this, the, the story of Elijah the prophet from 1 Kings 17 on to about 2 Kings 2, and you get the sense, wow, Elijah's in a league all of his own. But no, James, the New Testament writer, says he had a nature just like ours. He's an ordinary man through whom God did or, extraordinary things. And James highlights the prayer ministry of Elijah. And he says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. And we should be inspired to pray in the same way uh, when we study the life of Elijah. Case in point, I woke up this morning, um, well, last night our power went out. Uh, there were some storms coming through the area and about 9, 10 o'clock at night, boom, power's out. Uh, we had our phones charged up, so did a little research online, found out there was a lightning bolt that hit a transformer nearby and, you know, put the power out. They estimated it wouldn't come back on until 8 a.m., and I'm thinking, no, wait a minute, I, I get up at 5 o'clock on Sunday morning, I, I need my coffee, I need a hot shower, I need all of this stuff, but I fell asleep, my phone was charged, my alarm went off at 5 o'clock, and I'm stumbling through the house in the dark uh, with my uh, flashlight on, and I'm, I'm trying to get some things together, I take things out to the car, and I'm thinking, okay, here comes the cold shower. But before I went back to take the shower, I, I sat down in the den for a word of prayer. Now, now, mind you, when the power is out, the coffee maker doesn't work, all right? So my routine is all messed up. I'm mumbling these words to the Lord, Lord, thank you for the day, uh, thank you for the night's rest, and for the opportunities of ministry, and Lord, the, the power is out. And, you know, it'd be a great story if I could tell you the power came on right then, right? Well, it did. At that very moment, I mean, the words were just that far out of my mouth. The power comes on. 
I was so excited, praising the Lord. I did something that no man should ever do. I went and woke up my wife at 5 a.m. and said, do you know what just happened? And it was just a reminder of the power of prayer that ordinary people just like you and me and just like Elijah, I don't know how fervent my prayer was, but the Lord, the Lord heard me there. Still ahead, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' Something Good radio message, Second Kings, the decline and captivity of a nation. Need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org to share your request, and our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Use the Explore option at the top of the homepage and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You icon. While you're there, visit the Something Good digital library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic to find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. Even as the divided kingdoms of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, God's mercy was on full display. He sent prophet after prophet to warn the kingdoms to turn from their wicked ways. Here's Dr. Ron Jones with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Second Kings, the decline and captivity of a nation. Before Elijah was taken up to heaven, his disciple Elisha asked for a double portion of his spirit. By the way, I wish I had time to develop this first glimpse that we have into biblical discipleship, where Elijah disciples, we use the word mentor sometimes, but discipled his successor, Elisha. And just before Elijah is taken up in the whirlwind to heaven, Elisha, his disciple, asks for a double portion of his ministry. I love the bold request. Elisha, give me twice what the Lord has given to you. And Elijah replied, here it is in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Elisha said, please let there be a, a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. In other words, Elisha, stay close to me. And if you, if you watch me go, the double portion will be yours. Well, Elisha watched as chariots of fire and horses of fire escorted his mentor to heaven. What a fabulous scene in the book of 2 Kings. And the Bible tells us that immediately Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak that he had left behind and he struck the Jordan River with it, something that Elijah had done before. And it parted the Jordan River and dried up the ground. Well, the water parted as before and Elisha walked across the dry ground, confirming the transfer of the prophetic office from Elijah to Elisha. Powerful scene there. Men from the school of prophets witness the miracle and they affirm Elisha as the prophet of God. And soon thereafter, the Bible says that Elisha performed two more miracles, once turning bad water into clean water, and then he also cursed a group of teenagers who mocked him for his baldness. Good for Elijah. You don't mock the bald man of God. All in all, Elisha performed twice the number of miracles that Elisha did. He got his double portion. Now, neither Elisha nor Elijah were writers. They didn't write any books, but 
Apparently, um, people collected their stories and told and retold their stories. On one occasion, the king of Israel was talking with Gehazi, Elisha's servant, and said, tell me all the great things that Elisha has done. What a great question. I love the king's enthusiasm there to know and to learn about all the stirring stories and the things that God had done through this great man of God, Elisha. We should be just as enthusiastic about a study of this prophet's life. Now, as I mentioned earlier, there's this mysterious link between the ministries of Elijah, not Elisha, but Elijah, and John the Baptist. But there's, there's no such link, and we might assume there is, but there's no such link overtly between the ministry of Elisha and Jesus. However, the parallels between their two ministries are, are worth considering. For example, the name Elisha means God is salvation, and the name Jesus means Yahweh saves. Elisha and Jesus both began their ministries at the Jordan River. They both raised a woman's son from death to life. They both fed a multitude of people with a small quantity of food and then had leftovers. They both healed the blind. They both healed the lepers. But that's not all. Elisha also multiplied a widow's oil, and Jesus turned water into wine. They both had you know, miracles related to liquid. Elisha made an iron axe head float in water. Jesus walked on water. And he enabled Peter to walk on water until Peter lost a little bit of faith and courage. And then finally, and I think most compellingly, uh, Jesus' death and Elisha's death brought new life. Uh, there's a story in uh, 2 Kings chapter 13 that is <laughs> really quite unusual. After Elisha's death, uh, some soldiers and raiders hastily took a dead man's body, and tossed it in Elisha's grave. And as soon as that man's body touched the bones of Elisha, the Bible says he revived and stood on his feet. Can you imagine being that dead man who wakes up in Elisha's grave next to Elisha's dead body? But even post-mortem, Elisha's life and ministry had resurrection power, we might say. What's the connection to Jesus? Well, come on, that's an obvious one. Jesus died on the cross. They tossed his body into a rich man's grave. Three days later, he walks out with resurrection power. And because he lives, eternal life belongs to us by faith in him. Amen. Now, Elijah's bold ministry foreshadowed uh, John the Baptist's powerful preaching, which John the Baptist's ministry emphasized repentance and the judgment to come. John the Baptist lived in the wilderness. He wore camel skins. He ate locusts and honey. Nobody would apply the words uh, polished and sophisticated to John the Baptist. I mean, John was uh, uh, rather uh, daring and resolute. He was an in-your-face kind of uh, prophet of God, like the prophet Elijah. And then Elisha comes along, and he's more like Jesus, who was full of grace and truth and resurrection life and hope. Elisha could deliver a stern word if he needed to, just as Jesus could. But both Elisha and Jesus knew how to speak the truth in love. And so you have these, these parallels uh, to these New Testament ministries. Certainly, Elijah is a foreshadowing of John the Baptist. 
But Elisha's ministry, in, in a strange kind of way, uh, certainly parallels the ministry of Jesus. Jesus compared his generation, do you remember this, to a group of children in the marketplace calling out saying, we played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge for you and you did not dance. And then he compared the impact of his ministry and John the Baptist's. He says, for John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. And you can make a similar comparison to the ministries of Elijah and Elisha. Uh, these were two different prophets, two different ministry styles, two different personalities, and God sent them into the northern kingdom, and their powerful ministries yield the same indifferent response from the northern kingdom. And it begs the question, what's it going to take to reach you? We could sing and dance and put on a soft shoe up here and preach entertaining messages that make you feel good. I could do that all day long. Or we could speak the truth in love, the truth that you and I both need to hear. At the end of the day, an indifferent heart, it doesn't matter. The style, the personality, it takes a, a heart to receive it and respond. The northern kingdom, despite these two powerful ministries and other prophets that followed, never turned back to God. They followed in the evil ways of King Jeroboam, who led them into idolatry and into wickedness. There's maybe one exception in the northern kingdom, and it was a king named Jehu. And we'll get to him in a moment. But in time, uh, God lost his patience with the northern kingdom. He was patient and long-suffering. But in time, he sent the ruthless Assyrians who administered his justice and uh, took captive the Israelites. Now, chapters 1 to 17 mention 11 kings in the northern kingdom. There are 19 in all, if you go back to 1 Kings, but there are 11 in 2 Kings who mostly did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Jehu, who I just mentioned, reigned for 28 years and was the king with the most promise. I say, wahoo for Jehu in the northern kingdom. Say that with me. Wahoo for Jehu. Now you gotta say it with enthusiasm, all right? Wahoo for Jehu. The law of sowing and reaping applies not only to individuals, but to entire nations. A sobering reminder for us as followers of Christ and as citizens of a nation that has lost its way. But the mercy of God is always available. So there is still hope. You're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Second Kings, The Decline and Captivity of a Nation, is part of Ron's series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Look for it under the Library tab at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. 
Something Good Radio exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support from friends and listeners like you. When you donate this month, Rod will say thank you by giving you his new ebook that goes along with his series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, the second of eight ebooks in the series based on the historical books of the Old Testament, Joshua through Esther. So request your ebook today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. And you can give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Why do great nations fall? Because the people in those nations, sometimes even God's people, do what is evil in the eyes of the Lord. And despite calls to repentance, they continue in their evil ways. How do we prevent great nations from falling? It happens one humble, repentant soul at a time. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Second Kings, The Decline and Captivity of a Nation. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.